Well, greetings from the garage. Thank you again for joining us here. As always, I am with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Jim Cherry, down in Beverly Hills adjacent, where they're almost fancy. We are back with Barry Gramillion, who is in the process of restoring Bill Cushenberry's iconic space coupe from the 1960s. And last we talked to Barry, we learned that Bill lost the car, and we actually all thought pretty much the car was lost to history. But no, it turns out it wasn't. So, Barry, after he lost the car, what happened? It showed up. Uh, this gentleman, Dave Peter Boy, that I mentioned, uh, who we met, and he, you know, he was quite elderly when we met him, but and he wasn't quite sure when. It was in the 70s. All he could remember was in the 70s at some point. And he said his partner found the car. He wasn't sure where, but he brought it in on a flatbed to the shop, and everybody in the shop just stopped what they were doing, and their tongues were hanging out. They said, what is this? Is this a spaceship? I mean, you know, was, and that's the reaction that everybody had had to this car you know, back then, and then, uh, you know, uh, was that it was just such an anomaly. It was an, uh, such an unusual uh, design, uh, but they were not able to, you know, they weren't able to complete it. Nobody was. No, nobody was until until now. So what kind of drives you to undertake such an incredible project? I mean, that's, it's an, it's quite the effort you're, you're having to put out here. Well, um, it's been, yes, it, it's been, <laughs> it's been a, so far an 11, 11 year, um, uh, endeavor. Um, well, there's a, a lot of reasons why number one, it has to be done. And if I don't do it, if I don't get it done, there's nobody else stepping up to get it done. So I, I, I've got to spearhead to get it done. Um, and I've been able to find, you know, I've been fortunate to find the right people to work on it, to bring it, uh, to bring it to life. And, uh, and well, I'm, you know, I'm an artist and I, I, I view this car as a work of art. I mean, you know, it's, a, Definitely. it's, not, Definitely. A, it's not a car you're going to drive to church. You know what I mean? It's not a car <laughs> to take, take to the market. I mean, it's a work of art. It's, it, you know, and, and I, I think it's one of the, where it belongs in, uh, in, in the pantheons of, of these of custom cars from that period of time, which, but as we all know, was a brief period of time in history. These custom show cars, you know, it didn't last brief, that long. Brief, but spectacular. Yeah. yeah. Brief, but absolutely stunningly spectacular. I got to tell you, have you guys been to the uh, to Starbird's Museum in Oklahoma? No. I, I have you not been. But I wrote a, I uh, had some correspondence with Daryl. He sent me a signed copy of his book, and uh, I went through it thoroughly. He's he's amazing, that guy, and he's still at it. He's like Gene Winfield. They just keep going. They're both amazing, and I'm, I feel very fortunate that I that they're friends and they've been you know they've been advisors, and I've spent a good deal of time. I just spent like a whole day with Daryl uh, not too long ago at the museum and going through the museum and. Of course, you know, the, the Wall of Fame there, and Bill Cushenberry was one of the original, you know, it was Winfield and Barris and, and, and Cushenberry and the original guys on the wall. Now, of course, the wall, there's a whole lot more, but that place is jam-packed with incredible works of art. You know, most of them are Daryl's, but, uh, but Daryl was, was and still is. And I got to tell you, the man, when I got there that day, he spent 12 hours with 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 me and a, and a film crew, you know, and uh, 12 hours, and he was all hunched over, kind of like, and 
I said, Daryl, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I said, I, I broke my neck the other day, but I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the way these guys are. And as you know, Gene Winfield, you know, broke his hip just, to, you know, at the end of last year. And, you know, we got the GoFundMe page to get him back here uh, on the medical flight. And he was, at, he was at the shop the other day, and I thought, you know, he was going to be helped by somebody. He was going to be driven by somebody and helped. In. You know, I had all these, oh, my God, Gene. He drives himself. He walks right in. He's as, you know, perky as ever. And 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 we're going, Gene, how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm chopping four Mercs right now, and I, I'm getting uh, I'm getting some cars ready to go to the Santa Maria show. And we're, like, looking at this guy. He's 91 years old. You know, he's yeah. all the Gene is incredible. We're going to interview him early uh, next month, and uh, that'll be on the curbside eventually. So yes. you're in good company. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Gene's a, Gene's a great friend. Of the, you know, he and, he and, he and uh, Bill were, were very close, and, uh, you know, they traveled together on the, uh, on the, 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 the Ford car caravan thing. And uh, he, he has fond memories of, of Bill, and, uh, and he's been very – very helpful. He knows a lot about this car because he was around when, you know, he was he was in and out of Bill's shop. Yeah. Uh, when, when he had a question about a question about the ultimate goal with this car. When you when you're all finished and it's just sitting there, the glowing, beautiful work of art that we know it's going to be. Is it going to be a drivable, functional car or just a kind of full size model? You know, non-functional, non-driver. No, it, no, it's it, it's definitely going to be drivable, but um, in closed close circuits. You know, <laughs> yeah, you don't want it going to the yeah. local grocery. No, 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 no we're not taking it to, to the market. But you know, we're yeah, we're planning on taking it out to Willow Springs. You know, because it has that uh, otherworldly look out there. And you know, doing some uh, filming with it out at Willow Springs, and uh, uh, and yes, it will definitely it, it'll definitely drive. There's no there's no question about that. We're just it'll be a, a limited. Uh, you know, limited amount of driving. Right, right. Uh, but that's uh, kind of an accomplishment in itself. You know, a lot of the famous custom show cars never actually drove at all. Like a lot, of, most of Roth's cars, like the Beatnik Bandit or uh, the Mysterion or whatever, they didn't really drive. So it's an accomplishment yeah. even to be able to get it in any kind of driving condition. That's because it's based on a Corvair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, exactly. you know. Well. Wait, now, where do you see where do you see this engine, this Corvair engine? Though I know some people, it is a it is a work of art in itself. And uh, you know, for anybody who's interested in seeing images of of this car and the process, you know, we have a website, we have a uh, you know a uh, um, uh, Instagram feed, and where I, I put up a lot of stuff, you, so you can see the progress and you can see some of this amazing stuff that's going on. Yeah, 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 hopefully we'll get some of those photos uh, that we can put in uh, to accompany this podcast on our website. Yeah, you've done a great job with the website. With there's a ton of video and all of that, and we'll we'll share some of those, of course, and and put a link in our show notes to your website because I I love this project. And so, how far along are what's uh, what's kind of left to go, and how any estimate as to when you might be completed with this? Well, our our goal right now is to have it ready to, uh, for Daryl Starbird's uh, Tulsa show in February. Oh, that's a big. Wow. That's one of the big. That's one of the biggest shows, you know, uh, um, still going. And, um, and you know, Daryl 
very much wanted us to. Daryl actually called me and and asked me if we could have it ready by October because he was trying to put together a show in October. But I'm not. But I, we're not going to have it ready for that in October. But um, I mean, it'll be. It'll be close in October, but I don't think it's going to be ready for a show yet. So we're, but we're we're that close. So right now, like I said, we're when Paul comes back, we're going to have this interior, uh, the sculpting of the the sculpting of the interior done, and then uh, when Paul comes back, we'll get on the final stages of of um, you know get, getting these, get the actuators and these uh, batwing doors. Uh, getting those skinned. Well, we have the skins. We just have to, you know, put them on it. And, you know, the the, the finishing of of the body. Um, it's pretty much. Fit. I mean, you know, it's it's made whole. It's just, you know, you know what I mean. It's 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 the final, the final stage of completion, um, and all the little details. That is, we we uh, just before Paul left, we came up with a very. Uh, interesting, and again, like I said, the space coop sort of dictates, and we came up with a very unique. I'm not going to describe it right now, but you'll see it uh, soon. Uh, we came up with a unique um, look for the bubble top, which which will e- even give it a little bit more of a a unique quality. It's going to look a little bit different than any other bubble top, uh, all the other bubble tops. And you'll see that I can't explain it. It'd be too hard to explain it, but it's a, it's something that, that that when we put these, because I have three or four bubbles that we've made over the years, and once we started cutting them, because you have to, you know, obviously you have to cut them into these you know, pieces: the windscreen, the the doors, the T-bar on top. There's nothing in the back, because in the back of the are the hinges for the, uh, you know, the batwing doors. But once you start putting those pieces in and fitting them in, you see how it all comes together, it it, it presented a, a, a profile that we hadn't seen before and that we've never seen on a bubble top. I'll send you pictures. So you yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very cool. Very cool. So that's that's where we're at. Uh, like I said, when Paul gets back next week, so August, September, October, in those three months, we're going to be completing everything and getting it ready to uh, you know, ready to move for preparation for paint. I was curious, what color are you going to paint? Tonight? Do you know yet? We want to retain the silver, the the, the silver metallic um, uh, quality of, of the way the, of the aluminum as it is now. That we, we we can't do a metal finish. I mean, we could do a metal finish, but it would take us till 2030 to get you know. To, to, so we're not going to get a, a complete metal finish. But what we're going to do is we're going to um, we're going to get the body smoothed out, and then we're going to paint it a deep, you know, using the techniques that they used back then to get that depth, that that really deep quality uh, of the. It's not candy, but it's so it's going to be a, a silver metallic color. Cool. Yeah, I think metallics on that will look great. Outside and inside. Now there has been some discussion because of the space stuff. You know, is that to paint it similar to spacecraft, which is white, but I don't like the white. I, I, you know, it's just been some, so I, I, I want to stick with the metal. I, I think that that's what Bill would have done, um, you know, based on the way it looked when he lost it there, you know, in 66, because it looks really nice in his shop in 66. And, 
And I think that he would have looked at it and go, yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to keep it. Yeah, well, a metallic on those cars really shows off the curves well, too, because it kind of shades as it highlights and turns around the curve and goes to shadow. You see it better with the metallic. So I think that's a great choice. You hit it right on the head. That's exactly the reason why, because that's what that's that's our feeling as well. So thank you for that, because that's that's the way we are anticipating it to be yeah so it sounds like it'll be beautiful so uh, i just want to sh- i want to give a shout out to a few people if you don't mind and oh, if you have time absolutely so a, few of the, a few of the people who've been uh super um instrumental in this uh, you know i mentioned jim roten who was uh, bill's design partner on this car and just a super guy um and don varner you guys probably know Don Varner. Don Varner was was Bill's design partner on the El Matador and on the Silhouette, and he built uh, several cars. But one of his most famous cars is called the American Star, and it's actually going on <laughs> on sale at, at Meekum because uh, um, you know Blackie um, Blackie J- 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 how do you pronounce his last name? But you know Blackie, uh, his whole his whole collection is being auctioned off at Meekum. And one of his one of his pieces is is Don Varner's American Star. Uh, anyway, that's uh, Don has been very helpful and instrumental, and um, he loved uh, Bill. You know, and he said in my interview with him, he said Bill was the best metal man I ever knew. And and then Bud Millard, also a good friend, and he he owned three of the Cushionberry cars. He owned the Limelighter, the um, Edison, and the Marquis. Uh, he doesn't own them in- anymore, but um, um, and um, a guy, a guy named Bruce Heather, who uh, lives up in Seattle, uh, and he was a good, he was a friend of Bill's. He he he's just a fan. He's not a car, but he's a super. He's got archives out the, you know what? And uh, he's been very, he's been very helpful. I mean, he knows every magazine and every article about every. He, he he's just a wealth of information, and he's a really interesting guy. And he hung out with Bill for you know long long time. In fact, you know he he had a conversation with Bill at the at one of the car shows in May of 1998. And I asked him about this just recently, and I have it on film. Uh, he, said, uh, he said, "Bill, Bill and I sat down and we he talked about this. He talked about your car." He said, "Yeah, I wish I could get that car back. I'd like to finish that car." So that that many years later, he was still thinking about the car. Five months later, he passed away, and five months after that, we found the car. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. That, I mean, huh. it, was, it was still on his mind at the end of his life. Wow. Well, uh, it's a it's a tribute to you and the work you're doing to put this together, so that we as as people who love cars can enjoy it and i can't wait to see it well you, uh, we're gonna we're, uh, you know we're talking to the peterson they're interested in, in you know having a, a show uh, and so we'll you know uh, you know one of those featured cars you know when you walk in with next to the ticket booth there they put a featured car right there you know and so we i've been talking to leslie about that and so you know we're going to see how that goes, but that would be a nice place to, you know, for you guys to come and see it. Yeah, absolutely. I live like three three blocks from that museum, so I'd love to see it. Yeah, that. Yeah, you can walk there, so that'd be good. <laughs> well, actually, we could. Yeah, if we can, if we can get enough cops to hold the traffic, we could drive the space coupe uh, from our, from your house to there. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> now you're talking. Maybe Jim could get a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, now that's the thing. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mention this before we go. I know I could go on and on, but anyway. So one of the things, like like I said, the space coop dictates, right? So one of the missing elements right now, the missing, uh, you know, the big question marks is, are we going to be able to get make it a two seater or is it going to be a one seater? There's two elements involved in that because of the it, it's a tight cabin, and when you as you know in a bubble top the high point is in the middle. So when you when you start moving out to the sides, and as you know, if you see, see the silhouette and and most of the bubble tops they're pretty bubblicious. You know what I mean? Right. To yeah. Top, yeah. To, to, well, this this bubble top is not. This bubble top is very sleek. It's it's, it's, it's it has a lower profile than those. Mm-hmm. So we're we're uh, within the next week or so, we're going to know if we can um, make it a two seater or one seater. It's not re- really going to matter because, like I said, the space coupe dictates. But um, we're going to. But the, and also the seats are going to be unique. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be seats like no other. No other seats that you've ever seen. That's what we're going for. We're going for things that Bill would have done, you know, that would be mm-hmm. unique and nobody had ever seen. Uh, you can always do. Cool. You can always do what uh, Roth did with the Beatnik Bandit and put the seat in, even if nobody can sit in there. <laughs> that's what he did. Hey, we, well, you know that that's a now that's interesting. That's a thought. Now you've stopped me in my track. Uh oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> because yeah, well, well, because one of, one of the reasons it's more more than just the headroom. Because also because of the way the uh, under the dash, uh, because of the suspend the front suspension, there's very little foot room. You know, there's uh, in other words, mm-hmm. the two sides are boxed off at an angle, and mm-hmm. so there's only right in the very middle of the under the dash the room for the pedals. If we do pedals, we may just do... Yeah, you, you might have to do an automatic to make life simple. Well, yeah, it's a two-speed automatic, but we may do, you know, I learned a lot from Daryl when I was there because, I mean, he did all kinds of crazy things with his cars way back then. You, you guys know about some of these cars. I mean, he, in, yeah. in, the same, in 63, the same year that, that Bill won Oakland, Daryl was supposed to win. It was all set up for Daryl to win with his Futurista. In fact, when the, the model car company, AMC, whichever one it was, I can't remember now, but anyway, monogram maybe, but um, they had actually built, they had made a thousand um, models in the boxes with the big trophy in the box. Oh. They were so, and, and, and they, paid, they gave, they, they gave Daryl all the money he needed to build the Futurist. So they said, win that, win that tournament, uh, uh, you know, that the tournament of fame award in Oakland. He was supposed to win. I mean, it, it all, but of course he didn't, and and um, so uh, on that car, the Futurista. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this car, but it. Mm-hmm. it he, and and this, we're talking about the early '60s, right? So uh, the car, you walk up to the car, and it speaks. It says, "I am the Futurista," and then the doors, and then it says, "I can open my doors," and the doors open. And then it speaks. It says, "I can start my engine." Nobody had ever seen that before. I mean, wow. you know, that, was, that was that was in 1963. And then uh, uh, I can't remember which car it is right now. I'm looking at his book right now, but it, it also one also had a Corvair engine, by the way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes, and of course it does no longer exists. It you know it was lost lost to history. But uh, and then you, I know you guys know about this 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 little trick. 
uh, I can't remember which one of his cars, but instead of having a steering wheel, you know, he, he did the, uh, the lever in the mi- in the middle, right? Right. Between right. the two feet. <laughs> so you push it uh, forward, it goes left, you, you pull it back, it goes right. Well, then he upped the ante on the next car and he, he had it so you could do it from either the left seat or the right seat. So he would drive down, he would drive this car down the, the street sitting on the right side. And people that drive past, they're looking at the car, of course, and they're going, wait a second, there's no steering wheel. Wait a second, there's nobody sitting in the driver's seat. But he's sitting in the, pa- in the passenger seat and he's steering the car with this lever. And that, I mean, you know, you know, these guys, these guys were just, I mean, I can't say enough about these guys. They were so What innovative. I love about those guys, and that Unilever type thing you talk about is a great example. Yeah. Because uh, General Motors had that on the Firebird 3 of 1958, and the same setup. And But the General Motors had some of the world's best automotive engineers and designers and million-dollar budgets. They could do anything they wanted. And you had a guy in in Kansas City. Is that, I guess that's where Daryl was. Was it Kansas City or Oklahoma uh, 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 City? Uh, Wichita, Wichita, Kansas City, yeah. He's in Kansas working with junkyard parts, making this stuff up all on, on his own. And he's doing stuff that competes with the greatest automotive corporation in the world. I just think it's so impressive <laughs> what he was doing. That is that that is one of the craziest things. And of course, you know this too. But this is one of the things that just blows me away because I talked to Daryl, and Daryl showed me right there on his uh, on his property right now because they don't they didn't have English wheels. They didn't have all these. They didn't have all these you know, fancy tools. Then, well, how did you make these shapes? He said, well, uh, his shop there in, in Tulsa, uh, and I've got a picture of the shop, and there's a big telephone pole out front, and he goes, well, I just take a sheet of metal out there, and if I needed a complex curve, I just go out there and bend it around that third telephone pole, and then I, and then I, dug, a, I, dug, a, I dug a hole in the back, and I put that metal in there, and I just pound on it, and, and I said, and Bill, come over, and, you know, we'd do that, and and so that's the way they did it back then, and and he still does. He's wow. building an incredible. Wow. He's building two incredible cars right now, or in his shop that are kind of amazing cars. And I said, "Where?" And I'm looking around his shop, going, "Where's the, you know, where's the English wheels? Where's the, all the gear? You know, where's the?" Uh, and he goes, well, "I don't use that." Uh, I said, "Well, how do you do?" And he takes me out and he shows me a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's What's amazing is is guys like him and Cushenberry who worked in metal, whereas a lot of guys like Roth and even uh, Barris at times did fiberglass cars. So they exactly. kind of made their lives. Uh, it was much more skill involved in a way to do to make that metal do your bidding, uh, like those guys did with no budget. It's just incredible. It it, it is amazing. I'm just blown away by them. But yeah. and those cars and and many of those cars survive there. You know, at his place. I highly recommend mm-hmm. a. Uh, I highly recommend a, 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 a journey to to the Daryl Starbird Museum, and he's not paying me to say this. I guarantee you. No, that's that's definitely <laughs> going to be. We're going to have to put have him on the podcast too, and and I'm definitely going to arrange a trip. I also do an RV podcast, and that's an excuse to just go out there. Oh, and, and I got to tell you, that part of the country is just is beautiful. You know, it's in that north, it's in that northeastern corner of Oklahoma, where it's all lake, lakes, and and just beautiful drives, small towns, and the, and then you know, it's it, right next to the you know the Branson and all that stuff. You know, so there's 
it's it's a gorgeous part of the country. It really is. Huh. That's cool. That sounds like a destination. So. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, uh, fly to Tulsa. Rent an RV. Go from there. Yeah, or just make a Route 66 trip. Now, the Route 66 thing, yeah, that, that's what Daryl was working on, putting together a show that was going to be a Route 66 show to take some of these uh, show cars and have them drive from there all the way out to here on Route 66. But obviously that that was a little more complicated than yeah. <laughs> could, put, could yeah. put together right right now. So anyway, but that I highly recommend that. Well, cool. Well, I sure appreciate your your coming on the show and and sharing this car. And we're we're definitely going to keep up with the project and with you. And uh, I can't wait until we see this in the in the aluminum, as it were. And sure appreciate your undertaking this this kind of incredible product project. Well, thank you, and I appreciate appreciate you guys and and all that you do for this. Uh, this world of, uh, of custom cars and, and all the other unusual things that happen in the automobile world that so many people don't even know about. I mean, you guys talk about stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of people today just don't even know about unless you're the car freak, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I like, I liked what you said about the car being a piece of art because it definitely is. And this is a uniquely American art form. These custom cars, there is nowhere in the world. They did it like we did it here. And it's kind of underplayed. A lot of people don't know about it, but uh, it's coming into its own. And people like you and Joe Bortz, you're helping save this part of American history and culture. It's just an amazing contribution you're making. So hats off to you uh, for what you're doing there. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your support. Stay in touch. Boy, that guy in the next campsite sounds as angry as the little cowboy in those cartoons. I think he knows every word my mama told me not to say. He probably doesn't know about Stressless Camping, a website and podcast to help make the Great American RV Adventure into a stressless camping experience. Oh, I hope he isn't going to pull that lever. Duck! Well, that's going to take a while to clean up, and he is not stressless camper if you want to be a stressless camper join us at stresslesscamping.com for articles stories a podcast and even an rv calendar i think he invented some new bad words introducing the unexpected the new ford mustang mustang a brilliant new kind of car a new generation of fords Mustang, with a beauty so unexpected, it has been honored by Tiffany and company with this gold medal. Never before has Tiffany given an award to any automobile. Never until Mustang. And yet the price? An unexpected $2,368 FOB Detroit. And we're not fooling about that price. Because for $2,368, you get features that cost extra in many other cars. Luxurious bucket seats. Heavy vinyl upholstery, thick carpeting, padded instrument panel, and handsomely designed full wheel covers. All are standard in Mustang. And with an exciting list of options, you can make your Mustang even more luxurious or more of a sports performer. See the unexpected, the new Ford Mustang at your Ford dealers now. Ah!
Welcome back to the garage. Uh, I have a very special guest with me today, and uh, that is Steve Hall from the Mustang Owners Museum. Steve, welcome. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on, and uh, so thank you for reaching out to us. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Tell me a little bit about the Mustang Owners Museum. Clearly, it's a museum for Mustang owners, but what do you have there, and where are you located? Well, we'll start with where we're located. We're actually located north of Charlotte, uh, and, and, and actually, to give you a better idea, we're one mile north of Charlotte Motor, Motor Speedway in a town, Concord, North Carolina, right off of Interstate 85. Uh, so, and obviously, this is a very big car area as far as uh, interest level for between racing, car clubs, uh, just just Mustang enthusiasts in general also. So it's a great uh, car facility area for us. And um, the museum itself uh, is 40,000 square feet. It holds right now about 53 Mustangs. We have room for closer to 55 to 56 Mustangs. And our exhibits, we have exhibits and displays. And our exhibits actually focus on various uh, interest points for the Mustang hobby. So, for example, we have the World's Fair car from 1964 on display, along with a story about the car and how it was there when Mustangs were first introduced and how the public could ride this vehicle at the Ford Pavilion. We've got other cars from Indy Pace cars. We've got prototype Mustangs. We've got a couple cars that, quote-unquote, were crushed at some time or another, but they still <laughs> they, they look like such amazing shape. Uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek there a little bit of course but uh, the goal is also with our displays of cars that we have is we try to show these are the various interests that mustang owners and mustang enthusiasts have for mustangs which means for example that we have cars that have been restored to concourse level we've got cars that have been modified rest of modified we've got cars that have been turned into race cars we've got stories car stories of course which are just as important to show the dedication and the passion of mustang owners to their vehicle and so the goal like i said is that we and we have car i should also mention that we have cars from every generation of mustang so one through six we have something on display, but we try to find something unique. Now, these are not all one-ofs, and, and we're not going to pretend that's what we want. What we want is cars that are engaging, that let you look at this and say, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Oh, I, I've, re- I've read about this car. I've never seen it. Uh, those are some of the comments that we get, and that's actually our goal. Is uh, People always ask me, you know, am I happy with the museum? I'm only happy when the museum, when the owners are happy with the museum. I mean, that's who we kind of focus on, is that's what we kind of dedicated the museum to. Uh, It is the Mustang world and the owners, and so that's what's important to us. We do rotate the cars. All the cars that are on display actually are from Mustang owners. Uh, So we've got cars from all over the United States, actually, here. They'll be for a period of time, and then they rotate out, and then we have new cars coming in to uh, replace them and share more stories, more looks, and more variety as such. So we try to keep things very alive in that regard so that people can obviously something new. That's our goal. That's that's fantastic, and I like the fact that you have all the generations. Uh, there's obviously, you know, the first generation was highly collectible and sort of mm-hmm. iconic, and then the Fox Body cars from the 79 to, what were they, 
90 or something? To, to, well, their last year was 93. 93. So, and yeah. those those have found quite the collector market as a great affordable sort of car that you can you can buy and modify inexpensively and and are yes. fun cars to drive. And so it, it's but it's good that you have the whole uh the whole gamut of cars there. And I like the fact that you have some of the the I guess show cars that that theoretically were crushed and but you know the, it's okay you're able to polish the damage right out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Smoke and mirrors, smoke yeah. and mirrors. <laughs> and so. it looks like you just opened this museum. It looks relatively new. It is. It was a three-year effort to, to get to the museum to this point. Uh, we opened for four days in the middle of April, opening on April 17th. And, of course, April 17th to the Mustang world is the birthday of the Mustang. And this year, 2019, happened to be the 55th anniversary of the Mustang. And every five years, uh, for probably the last 20 or 30 years, there has always been a five-year anniversary event going on somewhere in the United States. And we thought, well, here we've got a museum. We've got a great facility at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Let's work together and put together the 55th anniversary event at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And open the museum at the same time and uh quite an undertaking but we got it we got everything set and done and so we did open for like i said for those four days we did shut the museum down and we had to finish a few little remodeling things that we knew they needed to be yeah be, be complete i guess is the best way to put it and we opened up for daily operation on may 3rd so we've been open every day since may 3rd uh on regular just a regular regular operating hours 10 to 5 and on Sundays at 12 to 5. Ah, sounds, sounds so seven days a week sounds good and, yeah. and brand new. Uh, this is being recorded in August of 2019 and so that means uh, you've only been open about three months officially. So correct. welcome That's to correct. the museum world. It, it's good to have you. Well, thank you. It's uh, It's been quite a learning experience. It's, it's not only, of course, you know, the passion is for the Mustang, but then you also learn, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what a museum needs to do to, uh, to I, I put forth its best foot, as I guess is the best way to put that. And uh, the fortunate thing is, is Mustang. So there's not a lot of work there. It's just the organization of a museum and the details on making sure that those things are, you know, in place. Because people come to this place, they already have the idea of what a museum should be like. So we have to, you know, kind of we have to give that appearance. I guess is what I'm trying to say. We have to kind of fit that bill. But our our main goal is really just to share the passion of the Mustang. So we try to we we have to mix the two. I guess is the best way to put it. And how did this museum come about? What was the the driving force, as it were? The driving force, as it were, uh, and in 2014, that was the 50th anniversary of the Mustang, which of course is a is the golden anniversary. It was a major, major, major milestone for the car. And I happen to be one of the uh, one of the two directors for the event itself. We, we put on simultaneous events both in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway and here at Charlotte. 
And one of the one of the exhibits we wanted to do was after 50 years, and at you know at the time, of course, still no Mustang Museum ever in the world, for that matter. We wanted to create a little 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 showcase museum of memorabilia, collectibles, just some neat things, just so that the, you know people coming kind of just go back 50 years when the front Mustang first came out, and things of that kind of nature to see some of the cool things that were actually promo promo kits promo marketing things of that from 50 years ago and so as we were putting that together uh ford motor company became a big part of our event they indicated that they had this rather large uh display in mind and it was basically called the you know the the mustang timeline and it was going to have one mustang from every year in the display and then along with information of what was going on in those years as far as you know what was going on in 1964 uh whether it was music movies politics just you know lifestyle and they did that through all 50 years which was up to 2014 we realized at that point that that was such a beautiful display that it really was going to overshadow what we were going to do and as as uh, we had so much to work on already we just kind of tabled the idea of the museum portion but always had in the back of our mind a few of us that you know we really at some point you sit down and we got to think about doing a museum and there really needs to be one. I mean, there, there are other car models that have museums and they don't have near the longevity of, of what Mustangs have. And we just felt, you know, with all the passion and the number of Mustangs have been sold around the world for that matter, or collected around the world also, we, we should really give this some serious thought. And, uh, well, after decompressing from the 50th anniversary event, we did sit down and we came up with a bit of a game plan. And we felt that if we could achieve these particular points of um, on the business plan, we would do it. And we've had some fortunate to have some great uh, great uh, Mustang companies get involved with what we're doing and make it, helping us make this happen. So it was, it was, it was quite a process. And then we we're fortunate to have a brand new, beautiful building. I mean, this building was built because of the museum. Uh, so it's, it's got a lot of neat things that uh, brought the community together and really kind of made sure that the Mustang museum was going to be something that all Mustang, whether you're an owner, previous owner, or just like the car, just have never bought one or what have you, you'd be proud of when you come to see the museum. So that was really the, the, the goal. And we were, you know, to be honest with you, there were, you know, a lot of, there's been other attempts to do the museum that have never worked out. So this is the, you know, this one, this one worked out. This one came out and um, has really caught the attention. And we've got, a, you know, we've got a lot of folks very happy that we have a museum and they're very happy when we come, the Facebook, the Facebook posts that we get are just phenomenal. Uh, I cannot appreciate them, uh, how much we appreciate them. Oh, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate when they come and when they leave. They do post how they've been to the museum. It was incredible. The cars they saw, the activities that were going on, the memorabilia, the stories, the information. Um, it, it, we've expanded their Mustang. We've helped expand their Mustang horizon quite a bit with this museum. Wow, and who, what type of people come to the museum? Are they, um, are they owners? Are they looking for ideas? Because it looks like you also have a lot of research information there. 
We do. Uh, well, we try to be a little, we wanted to, that was one of the things we felt was important. We wanted to be, uh, and of course, all of these things take time. I mean, it's, it's just, you certainly just can't with a museum. This is going back to how I learned about more about museums. You really just don't go in there and flip the switch and then everybody's like, oh, there's a big light in the sky. There's a Mustang museum. <laughs> it takes a lot. It takes a lot of marketing work, but our goal was we wanted, and and we're getting there. I mean, it's, it's a process. We we do have an archive. In in the archive, we try to collect every Mustang book ever produ- ever produced, and that includes about Shelby or Celine's or Roush's. It also we try to cover every magazine for Mustang Monthly and Mustang Times. And then we feel, I feel more just as important is that we on our own have created a uh, video series which will be going up on YouTube very shortly. It's called Mustang Icons. A lot of the gentlemen, especially from the first generation in the mid-60s, that uh, were very instrumental in the development of the Mustang, whether it be a designer, engineering, marketing, or what have you, um, basically are getting, you know, they're getting up in age. And we felt their story, if, you know, when, when all, unfortunately, when, you know, they pass, um, their story will be lost forever. You can read it in a book, but, you know, books... Books to me sometimes are kind of impersonal. All you're you're reading black and white on pages. So what we did is we went out and we've got so far we've done about twenty different what we feel is Mustang icons and videoed them, and sat down and asked them just two or three of the same questions. What got you started? Why do you have a passion for Mustangs? Things like that. And we would just let them talk to us. And the stories we got are more than, I mean, there's some stories we, we got that we never, you never, you'll never read about. Let's put it that way. You're just not going to read about these, yeah, these pieces. And that's what we felt. That way we've always had them and can honor them. When somebody comes in and says, hey, well, who's the designer of the SN95s? Well, who? Let me show him to you. Here, let me let me give you his video. He'll tell you who who he is. Who divide, who who do who would design the Mustang too? We have him right here. Let me show you who did all this work and how he did it and why he did it. So it's things like that we felt was very much to even create a deeper connection to the Mustang. I love that idea. That's a that's a terrific idea. Um, yeah, and as you said, some of these icons of the Mustangs past are are passing themselves and um yes. like for example we just lost Lee Iacocca. Yes. Yes. In fact, um for them as going back to the Mustang 50th, my understanding is that one of the very one of the very last videos that he did, we had asked him if he wouldn't mind is do a video greeting greeting that we would put on the monitor at Charlotte Moore Speedway of him welcoming everybody to the event itself. And of course, you know, Mr. Iacocca at the time had been out of out of the public eye for some time already, and so you know, well, everybody would say, "Oh boy, it'd be great if <clears throat> Mr. Iacocca could join us," and we and we certainly extended an invitation, but we just knew that probably was not going to be possible. But when he did the video, it was almost like you heard the gasps in the crowd. <gasps> It was like you know they weren't expecting it. You know what I'm trying to say is, and so he is one of those icons that yes. And there are a few more that are part of his team back in those Ford Fairlane committee days that we're trying to uh, we're trying to kind of nudge out of retirement to uh, give us a day. And it's not it's not really that easy, to be quite honest with you. A lot, a lot of the gentlemen just preferred, you know, they like their they they just like their their uh, their retirements or peace and quiet or what have you. So they're not quite as engaging as we'd like, but we keep working on them, and hopefully we'll um, you know 
hopefully this will kind of work our way through. Uh, yeah, I, I wish you a lot of luck because that kind of archive is just invaluable. That's fantastic. I, I we agree totally, and that's why it's a, it's a, it's important to us. Uh, we need to have this so that when, like you said, for future generations and for this generation, to know who these people are and what they did and what gave them and what got. Like you said, you can read about Gail Halderman and he'll tell you about how he drew the car. But what we found out from him is that his instructor, when he went to art school, his instructor was the gentleman that designed the, the Tucker automobiles. Huh. And so all of a sudden we're listening to him and how the guy from Tucker would die. How what processes he used to design a Tucker or any car for that matter, you find so much rich, more of a rich detail experience from uh, from talking to these people directly than trying to read it off of a book. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I, I, the idea of a video archive is is fantastic, and then it's in their own words, and you can see the expression on their face and all that. Oh yeah, and, and it's funny when if you were to, if you were to watch a group of them together. You're gonna go. Wait a minute. There's a common thread here. There's these. These some of these guys did the exact same thing. I cannot tell you how many of the designers all have huge passions for sailing of all things. Interesting. And then the next thing you know, they told me they they designed boats. Uh, when they a couple of them when they retired from Ford, they got into the boat designing business per se for company. It was it was just like you. This is crazy. You gotta be kidding me. It was just. Because boating is so random, I guess, yeah. in my, in my yeah. mind. You know, you wouldn't think, well, the, really? Oh, yeah, yes. You know, we had a big, big, big interest in that. And so, yeah, it was just interesting that you find a lot of common thread among some of these gentlemen. And some of them, because they are from different generations of Mustangs, did not know that about the other people. Yeah, Although we would mention, we'd tell them that, hey, you know, Buck over here, he, he was in the boats too. So, the, the guy, for example, the guy that designed the Mustang too, and the guy that designed the Fox body, Two different gentlemen, two different generations, of course, both huge into boats. Well, I guess you could argue they did probably have some influence from LTDs. (laughs) (laughs) But but seriously, that's a that's pretty astounding when you think about that common thread and it's it's so mm-hmm. random but there you well, go it's, it's, it's funny you said that about ltds gail alderman will tell you that some of his inspiration when he designed the first mustangs his first Mustang, it actually came from lincoln continentals boy that you would never guess that you know you would not but then when he tells you what it was you're going damn he's right i can see that now <laughs> Yeah, but those, are, but those are things we don't have an eye for. Where, of course, you know, Gail being hands-on with all of this very much, very much did. So it was, it, uh, it was very unique to listen to him. You said you're going to be posting these videos on YouTube as well. Yeah, we are working on uh, p- putting all these together. We're, we're finally, I mean, we do our own editing and everything. Unfortunately, we've got a, uh, we have a, uh, our. Uh, our social media director is very talented with photography and video, so he does a lot of our work. So we're we're finalizing some of those. We've got most of them are done, uh, and then we'll they will be posted on YouTube uh, under. I guess we're going to set up our own Mustang Owners Museum, kind of a channel or grouping, so people can go to them and check them out. Yeah, please please let me know, and I'll tell our audience because I think that's just an absolute treasure. 
I agree. I mean, it's it, to me, I think it's one of the more important things. I mean, obviously, car, as I always say to folks, cars are the stars. I mean, we have everything here from mild to wild. I mean, we've got a Mustang that looks like a Lamborghini that was, you know, definitely custom customized. But I think keeping and preserving the history and the heritage of the Mustang is just as important. It really is just there's there's I, you can't put a value on it. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not talking about financially. I'm just talking about on just knowledge wise. It's just so important for us to know that these are the gentlemen that did it. Here's how they did it. Here's what they did. And now that they're retired, they kind of tell you a little bit more than maybe they would have if they were working there. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah in case the boss you know is I mean? watching. Yeah, exactly. They get, they get a little deeper, uh, deeper uh, uh, conversation with them. Boy, I sure appreciate your time. We're going to put a link in our show notes to your website. And uh, if you happen to find yourself near the Mustang Owners Museum, absolutely pay it a visit. It's super cool. They have great archives. It's a beautiful setting. And uh, you are to be commended, Steve. I really appreciate uh, what you've done and, and also your coming on and joining us here in the garage. Well, I, I appreciate that. As I always say, though, it took a team for us to do it. And uh, we all were, it all worked there because we all had the same goal at the end of the day, no matter what. We're all trying to, you know, create something that the, the hobby would be thoroughly be proud of. Because we obviously are, when we put the word Mustang Owners Museum on the building, we knew we were working for the owners. And so, uh, as you asked earlier, who does come to the museum? Everybody, car owners, non-car owners, the public, families, it's, it's a wide mix, which is great. It's what we hope for. So we do get a little bit of everything, and it's, it's a $10 admission for adults. Kids 15 and under are free. And we have people say, why 15? Well, if they don't have a driver's license, why are we charging them? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> so that's, that was our philosophy. Well, very good. Thank you again, and I I appreciate the time you've taken with us. You can find the Curbside Podcast parked in the garage at iTunes or your favorite pod capture program. And don't forget to write a review so that other people can find us as well. We sincerely appreciate it, and we hope that they will too. You can find notes, information, the articles, pictures, and more at www.curbside.tv. Have a great week. We'll see you next time, and thank you for spending your time with us on The Curbside. While it may sound like two miscreants in the basement of their mom's garage, it actually takes a village to put this on. And we've got those village people. Staff chef is Sal Manella. Our legal department is headed by Sue Yu. Dental care by Ginger Vitus. We'd like to thank Wendy DeWitt, the queen of Boogie Woogie, and Kirk Harwood for our music. Thank you for joining us this week. And now go get something productive done. That honeydew list isn't getting any shorter.